Okay, good. Um, good morning. It's a privilege to be up here again. Uh, this is a fourth part of our series of loving the Lord. Actually, I love it. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. The Lord God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. My favorite part of that is you shall, meaning like you're gonna, not you might or maybe or hope to, you will. And how do you know, how many of you know that when Lord says he's going to do something, he's going to do it? So as we yield to him, he's being that, um, that working force that's causing us to do this in us. But as we get started, I was going to break down the word strength. And I don't know, raise your hand if you've heard of the of Bible Project, the Bible Project. Ooh. Right, right. We've played Bible Project here before. They break it down so brilliantly. So we're just going to watch that five-minute clip real quickly. Okay. <laughs> Did that surprise anybody? Raise your hand if that was a little bit surprising. Maybe you guys thought I was going to come up here and talk about lifting weights. <laughs> so. Um, Loving God with our muchness, it's as we learned from the, move, the video, the clip, it's with everything that we have, right? All, everything, it provides an opportunity to love him. Everything we say, everything we think, everything we do, every choice we make, when we wake up, when we eat, everything is meant that we could turn it towards him and give it to him and love him. Um, our natural tendency, however, is... Uh, to kind of take our resources. So let's just define for, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the words, the terms muchness and resources and capabilities and maybe a couple other ones <laughs> interchangeably <laughs> to just kind of represent everything that we have, everything within our power, everything that's within our ability, what we can do, what we can give. And I'm going to use them interchangeably, but if you think about it, if they're not aimed towards the Lord, they kind of, we have a tendency to kind of do it towards our own success or towards our own benefit or uh, pushing whatever our agenda is. Or do you follow me? It's along the lines of um, maybe even self-comfort, you know? How many times do we go, oh, I need that space. I need that veg out space to just go and because you're, you know, it's just a hard day. We work long hours. We've got a lot of demands. Everybody wants something of us, wants our attention, wants our time. And then God says to love him with all our heart, mind, and soul, and strength. You know, when it's not focused in the right place, it's tendency towards self. You follow me? It says that, um, I, I do want to just emphasize that God takes pleasure, though, and the little bit that we give him. Do you remember that scripture? He sees even a cold cup of water given his name. Like the, the least, the little bit of cold cup of water, anything we do, any effort we make to give anything in him, he sees, he takes, he rewards, he pushes down, he shoves, shoves, makes room for overflowing, right? So it's like whatever we choose to give him, it's God's bank. It's the best investment we can give because whatever our time, our energy, our resources, our attention, you know, our affection, all of those things, they're, they're battled for all day long, and somehow we end up exhausted, but somehow when we go and cast those things at his feet, he fills us with our needs. He meets our needs, right? It's the promise. It's the hope that we get in him. And uh, the verse, Hebrews 6.10, it says, for God is not unjust, so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you do. Um, as I, I believe what the Lord sets out, obviously, 
we're learning, you know, we're, we're Christians in training. As we are babies in Christ and as we look to him, we, we can realize, uh, has anybody ever heard that term that the older you get, the more, a little more in touch you are with your weakness, <laughs> a little bit more aware of your brokenness. It's because as the older we get in Christ, the more we realize, oh man, we're, we got so far to go, so far to come, so so far, because he's so good and so awesome. And uh, I, I believe that the Lord takes so much pleasure, pleasure when we make it our primary, our priority, our, our first goal to set our eyes to him, to set our affections. So as weak as it may be, you know what I mean? As little, as much as even like, I'm going to eat this and just thank the Lord for this good bread or whatever. As little as it is, it takes, he takes it, he multiplies, he, he uh, gives back. And so um, I think it's really important that we define love in a sense like uh, the modern, what's in our culture right now, there's a lot of thwarted definitions of how to love God. I literally can, I had a conversation with a guy at my gym, and I thought we were on the same page. We were talking about the same things, the presence, the peace. Come to find out, he didn't even believe in Jesus. So a lot of the language right now of our culture uses Christian principles, but they don't want Jesus. (laughs) We have to figure out what does love mean? What does, does it mean just... Today I'm in a loving mood. I'm just going to accept everything and accept I'm just going to love. You know, I feel like that's what's pushed on us. That's, our culture tells us this is what love looks like. If it doesn't look like this, you're not loving. You know, but we, we don't have a choice as believers. The word of God's got to define what love is. We have to let God define what he says, how you approach him and how you choose to love him and then obey in that. Right? So I got to get my Bible. I don't know why I left it here. But I'm just, if I could just be straight, and you guys know this, but man, it's a really good reminder. If this is not governing your life, you're being fooled. It has to be what determines our decisions, what influences our thoughts, our thinking. And not only is it just a matter of like knowing, it's, it's knowing this is, this is the roadmap to the real word of life, to the one that has the river of life in him that promises abundant life, that promises peace, right? I think um, right now there's a big time push towards like a DIY Christianity. It's kind, of, it's kind of, I'm going to take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and I'm just going to make it my own. And uh, as sincere as it may be, I, it, it kind of really scares me. So uh, this is verse Matthew seven twenty one. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day... Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That scares me. Because we have a, a, not scares me in a sense that I, I feel like that's going to happen to me. Just in the sense where everybody thinks they're okay to do and worship and love God the way they want to their own version of it, especially when it steps outside of this. 
Jesus said to love him is obeying him. He equates it. If we love him, it looks like obedience. I don't, unless Jesus is in the mix, I don't want, I don't want anything to do with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to just be good and do good things. For what? Like, what, where's the reward? But when it comes to just loving and finding our fuel and grace from him and meeting with him, and then I go through some yuck, and then I give it to him, and then he takes it, and then it gives me with peace and security and supplies me with my needs, and then changes my perspective. It doesn't matter what circumstance or predicament I'm in. When I meet him, I get filled. I'm like, this is wonderful, right? That's the promise we have. So I don't, I don't want any unless Jesus is the main, it's the main source of it all. Uh, one of the places that Jesus describes what obedience and loving the Father looks like is in the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. I'd, I'd probably guess that many of you know it really well, but let's just get into it again. Because Scott preached last week, and one of my favorite things he said was, uh, they, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin, all of them knew the law so well. They were the teachers of the law. They're the, one that's, they're the ones that presented it. And when Jesus gave them this answer, love the Lord your God, you follow me, <laughs> with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it wasn't new information to them. <laughs> but they weren't doing it. So here they knew it so well in their mouth, but nothing, it didn't translate to their heart, their spirit. They couldn't even recognize who was right before them. Right? They couldn't see him. In fact, so many places, the last time I was reading through John, I was just wrecked by the language where he kept saying, you can't hear me, you can't see me because you seek the praise of man. You're spending your time trying to go and get everybody's, you know, attention. You love to be in your robes. This is actually in uh, Mark 12, right after this. You, you love the attention of the crowds. You love the praise. You love the verbal affirmation. You love the position. You love the title. But you can't see me. <laughs> Let's turn to Matthew 6. Um, we're just going to put up the basics, and it'll be really quick. But... In the Sermon on the Mount, he presents five ways that we can practically love him with all of our muchness, <laughs> all of our abilities, all of our strengths, whatever you want to refer to it, all of everything that we can do that's within our power, right? Giving. In giving, we embrace, our, we embrace by action our reliance upon the Father's provision for both our finances and our resources. When we choose to give, we're declaring that God is good and that money is not our master. <laughs> serving. When we choose to serve, we're investing our time and our energy in helping others. We could be using that time to further our own interests, but instead, the serving declares that his purposes and interests are more important than our own. <laughs> Praying with the word. In praying with the word, we are investing our time and energy in seeking God. We could be spending that time being productive, for those of us that like to get stuff accomplished. We could be spending that time socializing, networking, even vegging out for comfort and refreshment. And I, don't get me wrong, all of, those, all of those are good things, you know, within measure. Uh, they're not wrong or bad enough of themselves. But when it's not our number one to put Jesus as our priority, as we do those things... 
we got it off, we got it wrong. And, and seeking all the refreshment, all the vegging out that we need, is it actually giving the relief that we think it does? I don't know that it does. I mean, it's no, you know, uh, Chad referred to this a couple weeks ago, maybe like a month ago, I don't know how long ago, but he had, was talking along the lines of how prevalent anxiety and depression in our, our day. And uh, I, I, there's a cure for that in the Lord, for sure. But as it comes, I wonder if our habits that we think bring us relief from those things are actually doing anything. <laughs> but we don't seem to question them, right? How do we end up there? When we pray with the word, we're taking a time t- aside, we're putting aside time to invest that in seeking the Lord, and he will reward us. <laughs> He's good. He's going to meet us. He's going to say, he says, how many times with all of these examples I'm giving you, he says, oh, but what you do, do it in secret because your father who sees you in secret, he's going to reward you. So maybe the refreshment that we're looking everywhere else to get, all the rest that we're looking every other place to find, we're not finding it because we're meant to only find it in him. <laughs> forgiving and forgiving each other and in blessing our enemies our adversaries, I like to refer to it that. I, I don't know that, I, I don't, if I have an enemy, I'm, I'm, I'm not aware of it, but um, I definitely have people that are adver, adversarial. Yeah. Is that the right word? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when it just, it could be what they speak about you. It could be, I don't know, someone give me an example because I can't think of anything. An adversary. Actions. Say what? Actions, Actions yes. Someone's just out to get you. You're like, what? What did I do? Um, In forgiving each other and blessing our enemies, we are embracing our reliance upon the Father to protect our reputations. I know. I love that. Because when we're filled with like something that wronged us, we're like, oh, we got to go and cover all our bases. Everybody's got to know that that person, you can't, you know, don't listen to what they're saying. You got to know their history. You know, we got to get this like in us. We got to go defend it. But when we let it go, and just give it to the Lord and say, I just, what can I do? How can I control that? Wow. If this is causing Jesus to be formed in me, let it be done, huh? <laughs> Fasting. I bet you guys love that one, huh? <laughs> I'm definitely growing in this. I'm a slower. <laughs> but fasting doesn't just mean food. It also means something good. Look, our body needs food. Clearly, you guys know that. Our body needs water. We have basic needs. When we choose to take aside the good things that we have a right to and give it up for a period of time or however, to say, Lord, actually, I'm, it's you that supplies my needs. Do you remember when Jesus was hungry, sitting by the well, and they were like, you haven't eaten? And he's like, well, you, I have food you don't know about. <laughs> the food I have is to do the will of my Father. <laughs> There's something when we choose to set aside the good things that we enjoy for his pleasure, it moves heaven. It positions. You got to know, I am not, nothing I am saying is basing any of our blessings on our works. Like, I know we could all agree that God is so good that everybody is always tasting of his blessings despite what they do, right? (laughs) It's just like, I don't even know if we can even fathom it. I can't tell you how many times where I'm like, I bet you he protects me in so many ways, especially driving. You know, when I'm thinking I could go a little ADD, he probably protects me so much. And I'm like, wow, I'm sure you just save me all the time and I don't even know. 
you know? <laughs> and I'm not trying to make excuses for my poor driving skills. It's just, I'm growing in it. <laughs> but uh, I, I just, he's good no matter what. But when we choose to come into alignment with these words specifically, these actions that are expressed in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, which to be honest with you, it's Christianity 101. <laughs> When we choose to come into alignment, we are positioning ourselves for a greater breakthrough in him, for a greater measure of his presence. You guys had a, I, you, I know you'd agree with me, but one of the most valuable things that we have, prob, not probably one of, probably is the most valuable thing, is our love for God. Like, what else matters? And if he increases that capacity to love him, Right? Because when we're so in love with him, we all of a sudden love so many people too. <laughs> when he increases that capacity, it's, what else is there? <laughs> it's so fun to be just overcome and overwhelmed by his goodness and his grace and his blessings. And we think and we're like, man, I don't even have time to think about my woes. He's just so good. <laughs> Every time we invest our strength into our relationship with him or into his purposes, he sees it, especially when we do it in secret. (laughs) When we sow our time, our money, our physical energy, we are sowing into what God says is valuable. He takes record of it. He records it. He notes it. He remembers it. He esteems it. He values it. And he returns it to us multiplied. As I keep saying, but I have to keep saying it again because it's so good. (laughs) When we think about his rewarding All of these expressions of love towards the Lord is sowing into faith. And why do we, it's it's training, right? Remember how I said, you know, this is we learn, we get better as we go, obviously. But why do we train anything? Like if I'm a basketball player, why is it important that I shoot so many times? Huh? Oh, that's good. I can do it under pressure. That's right. But at a point in time, my body will kick in, especially if I learn how to do it properly. It'll do it automatically without me thinking about it, right? So if I'm not having to think about my positioning of my hand on the ball with the steadiness and my elbow up, what's his name? He shoots up here. Oh, come on, Curry. Steph Curry, right here. I shoot down here, and I see Curry up here. I wonder why he gets so many threes. But if you have this in line, if this training is set in motion, it does us, does, we do it without thinking, right? Because we've trained our body to go into a way of its own. This is the grace that the Lord gave us for our bodies. <laughs> but how much more our spirits? When we train with wherever we're at, with, uh, uh, we, we yield what little we have, because where I'm getting at is wherever we're at, wherever, when you read, when we hear of these different examples of how we could love the Lord with all our strength, all of our muchness, with wherever you're at, he's always asking us, well, what do you have? <laughs> well, I, remember when, it's not the five loaves and two fish, but remember when he fed the 4,000? That was the 5,000, five loaves, two fish. When he fed the 4,000, he says, you guys go feed him. Go feed the people. I have compassion for them. They've been with me all day. They're tired. And he's like, and they're like, well, where are we going to get all the food to feed him? And he's like, well, how much food do you got? And they were like, I don't know, seven loaves and a couple fish. (laughs) And then he fed them all, right? Seven loaves and a couple fish. Isn't that like any of our offerings? (laughs) It's just what little we've got. 
You know, why do we train our kids in their ABCs and train their, in, the, in their numbers so that at a place they'll know how to uh, recite them and do them? It, it just comes naturally. So it's so the same spiritually. That's where I'm getting at. It's just we, we, we do these things. We set them in motion. We set our heart to them so that actually they end up becoming who we are. We don't even have to think about it. Meaning like abiding in Jesus is a natural thing. <laughs> and then out of it flows gifts. And uh, um, fruits of the Spirit, right? Yes. I got ahead of myself here. My favorite, um, oh, where I was going to say is Matthew 5, and Ascent, 5 through 7. It's like our classroom lesson, lesson plan, or it's like our spiritual gym. And best yet, God is generous, his promise for rewards. Uh, in Matthew six nineteen, he says, Don't lay up for yourself treasures here on earth, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. And then in Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. I just want to emphasize that God takes it personally when we set these things as a priority. <gasps> Here's, I just grabbed a couple of promises. I tried to grab some uh, obscure verses. Because, you know, sometimes we kind of hear the same verses. And then you just... Anyway, I tried to find some that aren't referred to a lot. But Proverbs 19.23. The fear of the Lord, which is putting the first commandment first, if you will, leads to life. And whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Does anybody need satisfying rest in here? <laughs> right? How about who wants that abundant life that Jesus speaks of and promises? <laughs> Proverbs 21.2. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness, and if you will, you could put giving, serving, and forgiving in parentheses. Again, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life. Righteousness and honor. Here we are searching, you know, to find ourselves, to to make a name or whatever. And here it is, we just find it in Jesus. It's wonderful. Let me remind you, um, oh, Jeremiah 31, 14. I will feast my soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness. First Peter, what does it say we are? Yes, come on, Ted. A kingdom of priests. Who needs an abundance for their soul? <laughs> a feast. <laughs> you know, last time I was speaking with you, um, I was talking about I, that I'm a coach of tennis and basketball. Well, all of that's transitioned. I'm a little bit more in my comfort zone because I would. My basketball team won, but I really don't think it was any because of my coaching. I just had a ton of talent. <laughs> All of the eighth grade um, teams came to me. I was a freshman coach, and they, they were the team that wiped out everybody locally. So we did really well, but that was because of them. And I just know that I know I could be positive. I know I could coach, but it's definitely, um, I don't think I'm gifted in the strategy department. <laughs> uh, so I'm a little bit more in my comfort zone now. I'm training. Um, I'm uh, the strength and conditioning coach for Pioneer Valley High School. So all the sports come through me. Well, most of them. How, how sweet is that job? 
<laughs> so I get to see a whole bunch of kids and just train them how to weightlift. It's because I got friends in high places. <laughs> well, that one and that one. <laughs> Making a way for me. So my dad's the athletic director. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm referring to. But I mean, I am certi certified. I'm a certified trainer. And I love it. And I have to tell you guys... Um, uh, I get so many kids. If they're in there, it's because they want to get strong, right? Because who goes a part of to be a sport that the sport's not even in season, but they're making showing up to a weight room because these freshman boys, some of them are so little still. They want to be strong. They literally hang on to every word I say. <laughs> so I have, um, I mean, I have to be careful how I cue too because for a lot of them, they have no clue. They've just never stepped foot in a gym. They've never lifted weights before. They have no clue. And so, like, if they're going to squat, you know, you have your toes slightly turned out, they'll be like this, and they do this weird thing. And I'm like, okay. So I got to cue them. I go, okay, turn your toe out. And they do this. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I've learned that there's certain things that I cue. I'll say, okay, for your posture, you've got to roll your shoulders back, and you've got to squeeze your shoulder blades back together. And every time, I don't know what it is, they do this. <laughs> and they've got to lift the bar. I'm like, oh. I just, there's a freshman uh, boy that just joined last week. And it was for wrestling, and I love training wrestlers. They push so hard. They just, I mean, beads of sweat, as hard as they can go, they're just nothing stopping them. And um, this boy's new, so he had no clue. And I'm like, okay, buddy, grab the barbell. And I'm like, so I kind of have, there's no mirrors in there, so I use my body as a mirror. I'm like, okay, you do what I'm doing, because <laughs> my verbal cues don't work <laughs> all the time. <laughs> and so do what I'm doing. And this kid, you know, he did all the T-Rex arms and all that. And then finally, I'm like, okay, now get, because this is the tendency, I can't believe I'm going to do this, but the tendency for people is to do this right? <laughs> you don't do that ever when you approach a barbell or any dumbbell or any lifting for that sort. Don't ever, right? You see my hunchback? They all do it <laughs> like this, okay? And um, so I'm like, okay, buddy, now roll your shoulders back. So he's got the barbell and he's, I, I'm telling you guys, you could hear a pin drop in the weight room when I start coaching. And I think it's because that's how bad they want to get strong, <laughs> Then he goes, I go, roll your shoulder back, shoulders back. He's like, and he has the barbell in his hands, and he goes. <laughs> it's so cute. I love it. I try not to laugh, but sometimes I can't help it. <laughs> and so um, I had a point to all of that. <laughs> oh, thank you. So... So you have to know that um, my goal as a trainer, you know, it's really hard to convince coaches, especially because they think they've lifted, you know, when they were teenagers. So they're like, I'm just going to give my kids workout programs. And I'm telling you, they don't have the mobility or the flexibility or the strength to be doing bench presses. If they can't do a push-up, they probably should not be doing a bench press, right? <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's what they all think. Like, you turn your head for two seconds, the boys that want to get strong, guess what they're doing? Take one big guess what they're doing. Bicep curls. She got it. <laughs> they all want big biceps. <laughs> it's funny. It's so predictable. But um, my job is actually to go and assess where they're at. So we have this thing called a squat assessment. Anyway, I'll spare you all the details. But um, did someone say thank you? 
funny. So, um, but my job is to meet them where they're at. I watch what they can do. And even though they're like, well, I want to get in there and do Olympic lifts like those guys. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry, buddy. You just started this week. They've been doing this all summer. They put in the hard work to get here. I'm like, you got to actually go over there, get the foam roller and roll out your knots. <laughs> they're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to put a barbell on your back when your calves are that tight. Cause I care about you too much. I'm not going to let you get injured. And they're like, you know, and in doing that and saying all these things, I don't think Jesus is much different with us <laughs> in the sense where he always finds where we're at. He meets us. He supplies us. This is really good news because I think in many of our hearts, some of us are like, I'm not ready. I, I, I don't know about this. I don't know about the all in. I don't, you know, but actually when you said yes to Jesus, your DNA was re, re-wrought, re-wrought, rewrote. Rewritten, thank you. <laughs> Your DNA was rewritten. And when that DNA, there's actually a yes, a big yes in your heart to him. And so when we do give our little bit, he takes it and makes it and multiplies it. It's wonderful. It looks like the five loaves and two fish. It looks like Mary at Bethany pouring that uh, year's wages at Jesus' feet to prepare him for his burial, even though everybody just was like, what are you doing? Nobody appreciated it but Jesus, but that's all that matters, right? It's Zacchaeus' declaration. He's like, I'm going to restore fourfold to all that I've robbed, and I'm going to give half of my possessions because he was dealing with his heart issue. His heart issue was stuck on the stuff and defrauding people of their money. He was a tax collector. He met one encounter with Jesus. He's like, I, want, I need to set that right. It's the widow who put in her two copper coins, which, in fact, that story is right after he talks about making the first commandment. It's first commandment. It's right after. Right after he gets done preaching that, he's in, he's waiting. It says he's waiting. He's watching. They're watching the people give the offerings, and he's like, oh, disciples. I don't know what he's, something like that. (laughs) Hey, my guys, she put in more than all those other people because she gave everything she had. Let's look at Jesus. This is the best part. John 13. Now follow with me. Oh, he put it up there. Thank you, Justin. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, to depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. uh, What blows me away is this last time I read it. It said, it makes sure it it clarifies. He already knows where he's going. He knows the glory he's going to step into. He knows what he's about to suffer. And this part especially, 
During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And then Jesus still took the towel and washed the feet of the guy that was about to betray him. How's that an example of loving your enemies? (sighs) That blows me away. His kindness, his mercy, it said that he knew he had all authority. What kind of authoritative figure would lay down and serve like that? (sighs) That's true authority right there. That's kingdom authority. The kind that puts love in service. He's serving like a king right there. His love is steadfast. He's our perfect example. I just want to encourage everybody this morning that no matter your predicaments, no matter your circumstances, and wherever and however you find yourself, what you've done, what you're afraid you're going to do, because maybe you have some bad habits in place or what, it's never too late or never, never not time to make this your first priority, <laughs> which is to love him with our everything, love him with our muchness. It counts. It all counts. Well, amen. amen. Let me pray. I am... Um, Chad, will you come up and play? I do. um, When we were praying earlier for uh, people that were responding to maybe hurt, I actually heard the proverb. He says, um, where it says, uh, um, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but uh, a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And I really felt like uh, right now there's people here that have a sick heart from hope deferred. So hopes where you haven't seen fulfilled, really. Um, I feel like God wants to minister to that. So the prayer team's gonna come up. If there's anything in this message that you wanna respond to or make a declaration of, or if you feel like maybe that's your heart, you're that hope deferred person or what, the good news is is God's not gonna let you stay like that. (laughs) And so Father, I just pray Um, that true transformation, a true new oomph in our spirit and in our mind would fill everyone in this room to love you with our muchness, to love you with our everything, to set you, to aim towards that one priority of loving and putting you first, Lord. I pray, God, um, that you would give that grace that wipes away past histories, faults, all the yuck. We could just lay that at your feet and find freedom in you even now. I pray that your truth would go forth like lightning to people's hearts and just set things in place, Lord, however they need to respond in a practical way to this message. Father, whether you're stretching them in places of giving or, excuse me, serving or um, any of those things we talked about, Lord, would you enable us to live out loving you and with all of our strengths in those ways, God? I pray, God, that you'd give us a revelation of the places that um, you've entrusted to us. You say that you entrust uh, what you entrust with little, you'll give more. Lord, if they're faithful with little, you'll give more. So I pray we would be those people that are so good at being faithful with little. (laughs) Lord, we want to be trusted with more, and our greatest reward is you. It's always about you. 
we really have nothing unless we have you. Like Moses said, we're nobody unless your presence is with us. So would you just shift hearts, Lord? Would you cause a response? In Jesus' name, amen.